there is that part in the Bible where they go on for like 20 pages about how much fun Sodom and Gomorrah are. <laughs> they do. They love. It was so Everything cool. starts at 15% uh, It was off. so <laughs> sick. And then I went there for a bachelor party. It was awesome. Dude, it was rad. My, my boy turned into a pillar of salt. Damn. We partied so hard, God just dis- God destroyed us. Back in the day, if God didn't destroy you after your weekend, then you didn't have a good weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Jerusalem is the weenie hut general of ancient Sodom and Gomorrah is the cool fight place. It's a good vacation spot. Let's go, folks. This is another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And with us today, we have a writer, a friend of the show, a friend of all of us. Please welcome to the show, Matt Jekyll. Hi, that's me. Can we put in like crowd noises? Sure. Crowd sounds not found. Yeah, but I want like a crowd fighting. Like, <laughs> like something bad is happening in the crowd. Rebel, <laughs> rebel, 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 rebel. Nope, couldn't find those either. We're going to start as you always do when we have a new guest, which is by asking you the big old question. When did you first start watching Full Metal Alchemist? In high school, a kid tried to show it to me and showed me and another friend of mine the first episode and it sucked. So I never watched it <laughs> ever again. And then uh, Arthur got me to watch it in college, which was much better. Because <laughs> once you get through those first three pilots then it it really picks up the second pilot is very good though it goes two three one that's the order you should watch it on actually Mm -hmm. just start with episode two and then ignore episode one exactly (laughs) yeah the second one introduces things really character first and very gradually and the first one is everywhere although i i did have a friend who very passionately defended the first one oh wow was mad at us for for criticizing it. <laughs> Man, let's gang up on them. <laughs> you know who you are, and if you're listening, you're wrong. But <laughs> his point was, it's a way more exciting way to start, and it's much less of an exposition dump. You get a great fight right off the bat. You can see the magic system. You can see the world. You get everything all at once, and that's what they were trying to do. That was their intention. So. I guess I do see how that is cool, but I think it's a better pilot if it's the second time you're watching the show. So let's get things started with a recap segment. This is where we do an improvised 21-second recap of what happened in this episode, but we decide who does it based on the roll of a dice. So if you land on one, it's me. If you land on two, it's Arthur. If you land on three, it's Mike. If you land on four, it's Matt. Let's roll the dice. Yeah. Have our lovely assistants. Roll the no, dice. No, it just, it fell on one again. Oh, that's unfair. <laughs> that's like five times in a row. It's uh. been me for the past three episodes. I vote for a mercy roll. No, 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 no. no. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do okay. this. I'm not a wimp. I'm going to okay. take it on. I'm going to take it on. Count me down. Starting in three, two, one. Eric gets taken to the desert where he finds the roots of stage churches and also finds out that Ross is alive and then he meets a bunch of Mishvalans and realizes Scar kills Mary's parents. Meanwhile, back in Central, they re- uh, Barry's body goes after Barry's soul and they draw it out and they attack it and there's a whole thing that Roy's people are doing and we discover that Roy m- faked Ross's death and then Gluttony attacks Hawkeye in the end of the episode. Wow. 
That's really Take good. That. Wow. Take that. No. You'd have saved a lot That's... of time if you said Mike was right at the beginning. Mike got angry at us. Yeah, we need to address this. <laughs> so everyone who listened to the last episode would have heard us gaslighting Mike into yeah. believing that Ross was actually dead. I mean, I figured oh. out everything. I like literally sat there where I'm sitting right now. Only the lights were off. And I figured everything out. I like said, wait a second. I think she's alive. We didn't see her die. He can switch <laughs> things out. Like, think about it. Like, he's not that much of an asshole. Come on, guys. Like, th- help me out here. I think that she could be alive somewhere. You know, I think maybe he's taking her to see her. And this whole thing, you know, I'm like, I'm like, and then Michelle and like I just idiot. ignoring you. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Michelle and I, I got to say, we did a pretty good job. I thought yes. my mic was broken. <laughs> <laughs> we, would, we would just kind of ignore Mike and be like, anyway, so when Mustang killed Ross and just kind of take it as a given and, and move <laughs> so, on with the conversation. Listen, the thing yeah. is, if we had told Mike the truth, <laughs> it wouldn't have been fun. He would have been like, yeah, I'm right. And then he would have come into this episode being like, wow, I was right. You know, he has to believe what the episode gives him. We did it for a good cause. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing Mike that Colonel Mustang killed (laughs) Ross. And just like that. (laughs) Okay, look, this episode, I'm going to go right off the bat. This is going to be probably either equal to or lower than the grade I gave to the Miracle in Rush Valley episode. You thought this episode was filler? Yes. No, not filler. I felt it was disconnected. I felt it was jumbled. Because it feels like Ed and Al suddenly became supporting characters in their own story. It is true that Ed and Al do lose basically all of their agency in this episode. (laughs) They're just kind of like, okay, sure, we'll go along. So I get that. But I thought the reveal was really fun. And it's interesting how happy Colonel Armstrong was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Armstrong was great in this. That was yes. a great moment. A shirtless Armstrong chasing Ross around. And we talked last episode about how effectively this show does control information. I think it actually is done really well, but I did find myself laughing this watch because <laughs> because they have flashbacks to all the things we saw in the previous episodes. The difference is they include the one sentence that we didn't hear that clarifies everything in yeah. each of those scenes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it'll be like... Hey, you're Maria Ross, right? Snap. And the sentence they add is, Hey, you're Maria Ross, right? I'm going to fake your death now. (laughs) You'd have to be some kind of genius to figure it out without that sentence. Like, no, you don't have to be a genius. Just be paying attention to the episode. I'm just saying, like, I I mean, without that sentence, like, you'd have to, you'd have to be like a a savant. Yeah, you would. (laughs) A handsome genius, I think. I think so. The root of all my problems with this episode goes back to the fact that, like, Ed and Al really don't have a lot of, like, to do. Especially with the revelation at the end that I felt was so clunky that, like, I could feel oh, yeah. the writer sweating <laughs> as she wrote when those words. When some Ishvalan show she... up. Oh, my God. The, okay, the, can we talk about that now? show up. Okay, can we talk about that now? We're going to talk about that now. Yeah. Well, come yeah. on, guys. They come show up, on. like... Like munchkins in Oz. <laughs> like, they just like it, all stand yeah, up. They, they were do. all hiding behind rocks around him. <laughs> the plan is for one of them to punch Ed. Is that what happened? <laughs> to hit him with a stick. Oh, sorry. 
That's a much better plan than him with the stick. <laughs> we okay, yeah, you. okay, wait, you're right, you're right, Matt. They have like 15 people. Why do they send one guy to hit him with the stick? Ed's response to that is like, you're Ishvalen. I thought Ishvalens hated Amestrians. And it's like, is Ed racist? We've established that he is racist. Yes. In the first episode with Ling, he says like, go back to your country. We've, we've canceled that already. <laughs> Ed is one of the most canceled characters of all time, Ben. <laughs> Especially in the, the dub. Uh, yeah. You know what? Let's not separate art from the artist. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that moment. I have a belief that when it comes to drama, a coincidence is okay. I'm totally yeah. okay with that. However... Free coincidences on a fucking row? Guys, you gotta, like, chill for a second. Like, it's not only that Ed just happens to be in this desert, just happens to be caught by these Ishvalans, which just happened to contain a group of two people whose doctors just happened to be with his parents, who just happened to have been killed by Scar. That's, like, five levels of coincidences. Michelle... All is one and one. No, shut up. Oh. That's not, you can't give me that. All of these events were fated to exist. This is all part of an, a complicated transmutation. The whole thing is a, is a transmutation poem, really. I and only now, <laughs> it felt like kind of how the end of a Seinfeld episode feels, where there's always like one more funny coincidence that's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good comparison. <laughs> Man, one, one, oh. The whole reason this starts off is because these two random Ishvalans were healed by two doctors. And Ed is yeah. like, clearly they have to be my friend's parents. There were no other two doctors in the entire war. Yeah. But it just feels to me like the writer was like, I got to give him a reason to care about Scar. It's like, you already have enough reason. He's trying to kill them. You don't yeah. need to come up with like he killed Boonry's parents. It's like they're trying to make it a moral gray area. But I think a real strength of this show is that they make every death, like whether the person is good or bad, it every death feels really bad. And so Scar really the whole time feels like this really complex, morally gray character. He's, he's like Magneto. He's, yeah, he's acting from real pain, but it is like, woof, you're killing people by grabbing like exploding their faces so that's pretty rough i've got a fix if someone handed me this and they said how how do i make like i really want to relate the tension between scar and ed and al into a, a more personal space that's not just so like idea driven like how do i make it more character based their hatred for each other and i would say oh well this is all so simple see ed and al's mom dies of working too hard in the closet just have oh, Scar cool. kill their mom. There, I saw the problem. Or maybe Scar made the closet so oh, messy that she way had better. to work herself <laughs> to death. Made the closet so messy, then she might still be alive. You yeah. know what? I don't know why, but I have a feeling in my bones like that was the first draft idea. Like I just feel like if you're gonna do that, then Winry should. Like I know that Winry has been part of things, but she still feels. A little on the side. Scar's been killing state alchemists, but he hasn't killed anyone that they, like, care about. What about like, Monopoly guy? What about Monopoly guy? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. You're right. And that little monster <laughs> There's a scene where there. they're like, they get back and they're like, where's Monopoly guy? And then like, <laughs> Colonel Mustang is like, oh, Monopoly guy went to live with his family in the countryside. <laughs> 
I don't think this episode was as bad as Miracle in Orange Valley because I still think they had a lot of positives. They gave us a lot of really cool, like, lore things, you know? Like Xerxes, the ruin of Xerxes, and the yeah, and the, the door, like the weird symbol that he's recognizing, you know, the yeah. alchemical symbols, that the double-headed really cool. dragon and stuff. What do you make of the guy? I love them connecting those. Like ones like we have a fable about a guy who invented alchemy and then left, and they're like, that's <laughs> weird. We have a fable about a guy who showed up out of nowhere and invented alchemy. I wonder if there's <laughs> anything huh. similar about these two guys. Anyway, I imagine Xerxes had to be really fun because they blew the hell up. They blew up and they disappeared in one day because somebody tried to make a philosopher's stone. Mm, this interesting is, theory. This is my, not my first rodeo, okay? Like, I've read fantasy books before, okay? <laughs> like, uh, I'm pretty sure this is just lore <laughs> and will not be plot relevant at all. Yeah. And remember what I said earlier when I googled Xerxes and I saw uh-huh. the name Amestris is the was the was Xerxes's wife. Mike, I will never do this again in this entire show. That has absolutely nothing to do with Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> you are literally just looking into the origin of a name and no, looking too hard into Mike it. Mike is right. The countries are married. They're married. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys not talking about how these two countries are married? He got it. Michelle must think I'm some kind of idiot for believing anything he would tell me at this point. Mike, I'm serious. Like, I'm telling you right now, if, it has nothing to do. If please. there's anything I have learned, it's to trust my oh, instincts. No. <laughs> you know? We broke him. We broke him. Don't you see? The ants, the birds, the sky, they're all married. <laughs> Everything is married. The sky. And then, in order to survive, we married that rabbit. I would like to see a version of the show where every instance of the word transmutation is replaced with just marriage. He committed a taboo human marriage. I see. Instead of the marriage part of alchemy, he's stopping at the divorce proceeding. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's, this is a gaslight thing where you're just like, oh, it's all about marriage, you know, but all I'm saying is a mistress is clearly an attempt to do what they did in the past in Xerxes. A mistress okay. is part two of Xerxes. Okay, that, whatever whoa. you say, Mike. Whatever you oh. say, Mike. When Ross salutes Armstrong and Bretta, and then she holds out a hand for Ed, I was thinking about the fact that, like, because Ed and Al hate their dad, they, they're not looking for a father figure. And because their mom's death kind of fueled their whole quest, they are kind of looking for a motherly figure. They definitely have that hole in a mom shape, a mom-shaped hole. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh boy! No, wait, no, not no, guys. Um, Arthur, uh, Arthur, that sounds wrong. A Cancel. hole in the shape of a mom. <laughs> I got a mom-shaped hole. Do 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 do. I got a mom-shaped hole. No, you know what? Hearing, <laughs> hearing someone else say it, it does sound bad. <laughs> uh, but keep keep going. They have a mom-shaped hole. They have a mommy hole. They. Have... <laughs> Mommy yes. hole's good. Mommy Ed and Al's mommy hole. Oh my god. Oh boy. You That's going to the description. Make, you took it from like ten to eleven. Uh, but I don't think it's their need. I I stand by that their need is to maintain their humanity. Their want is redemption. Yeah, they don't um, need a mommy hole. It's similar with Mustang. These are are characters who like are very stubborn and like addicted to agency. 
or they don't like to seem weak, but each of them has a mother figure at a point. I think like Hawkeye is always caring for Mustang mm-hmm. and Winry is always caring for Ed. They're very much it, kicking and screaming, but there's <laughs> always the sense that these they're like kicking and screaming while those characters are like wiping food off their face. You know, pretty on the spot. Mm-hmm. Drink your milk. Ooh, yeah. Drink your milk. Every story has some element of like they want their physical bodies back and they need their emotional bodies back. Yes. Like they need emotional <laughs> wholeness and they want physical wholeness. But what is That's emotional what wholeness about. for them? What is emotional? Mommy wholeness. Ah. It is mommy wholeness. <laughs> it is homie. no, no. Really, it's jokey, but it is mommy wholeness. No, mm-hmm. you think they need a whole mommy to fill their mommy hole? No, Mike. Ed and Al underwent through a painful, quote-unquote, transformation, which has made them unable to feel things that we consider to be inherently human. Ed can't... I mean, sure, he has an arm, but he can't touch a loved one. Al can't sleep. Al can't eat. Al can't cry. He can't do these things that... You know, if you think about it on a purely physical level, like, say, greed or Lang do, then those things are useless. But if you think about it on an emotional level, those things are essential and they don't have them. And even though and what they say is we want our bodies back, what they say is we want to feel human again. They need their humanity. I'm telling you, because everything, everything that we've said so far falls under that. You know, the way that they motivate themselves is by severing their connection to home. And their family. It's funny because like Winry and Winry's grandma were their family even before this. Mm-hmm. Like they really treated them like family. The irony is that like, you know, this the thing that cost them their family then motivated them to like sever their connection to the remaining family that they had to try and get what they think they needed. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. And them burning their house down does feel really sad because they're working against their need, I think. I'm scared for Hawkeye. I'm scared for her. Everyone who approaches who this this guy, this this uh Oh my god, Mike. What is fa- his name? This uh hungry guy, hungry hungry Mike. hippo uh you know, Come yum- on. You're almost there. Rum tum Come tiger. On. It could be one of nope. seven. I'm almost yeah. there. It's gluttony. Yeah, anyone, they always get eaten, right? They always get eaten by, by gluttony. So she's going to get eaten, I think. That's, you know. Uh, well, Mike, I want you to stop right there because what you just did was a prediction, which means that now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Mikey at the Bat. All right. This is the segment where Mike has to guess what happens in the next episode using only the title of the next episode and the thumbnail as the basis for his guess. The title of the episode is Death of the Undying. Can you describe the thumbnail for us, please, Mike? It looks like, uh, I want to say a woman or a homunculina, if you will. Is it no longer PC to say homunculin? It's, it's, it's frowned on. <laughs> An artificial <Yeah>. homuncle. <laughs> An artificial uncle. <laughs> yeah. I'm Barry, you're a homuncle. Impossible. You can't create an uncle out of nothing. Yes, and his opinions are horrible. <laughs> He's awful at Thanksgiving. I'm the uncle who has magic tricks. What's that behind your ear? I'm the uncle your parents didn't tell you about until you were 25. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually related, but you can call me uncle. (laughs) 
I was adopted. <laughs> I lived with your mom and dad for a summer. Oh, well, it's so simple. Look, it's going to be a very big fighty episode. They're going to kill one of the homunculi. Lust, I'll say lust. Almost. But then at the last minute, he's like, that's my girlfriend. And then he saves her. Okay. Oh. With that prediction made, it's time for us to grade the episode. This is going to be giving it between one and five stars. I'm going to get started by giving it 2.5 stars. I know it's kind of weird i thought it was clunky you know what i'll bump that up to three stars i just thought about it the end was just all sorts of like what the hell is going on here but apart from that i thought the stuff with ross was great and i thought the conclusion of roy's plan was interesting and i'm excited to see what comes next i'm gonna give it a three and a half it was fun it was fine i I did like the reveal of ross there were some clunky parts but i had a good time i will also give it a three Fun reveal and some cool lore stuff and bury the choppers fun, even when it's weird that they'd send a body after a suit of armor. It's still kind of fun. I think three's right on the money. I'm giving it three stars and the bury the chopper award for sweetest serial killer. Matt pointed out earlier today that Barry the Butcher is a much better name for that guy. He introduces himself and he's like, in life, I was a butcher. That's why they call me Barry the Chopper. (laughs) You're right. You're right. It's a much better name. What's happening? Wait, do you guys hear that? It sounds like like a segment. All right. And now it's time for What Did We Learn? This week's lesson is a survival tip from Foo. Don't be sad in the desert. It wastes fluids. That's good because you cry and then you, you need your fluids in the desert. I think that's really good advice. Right? That's good. Uh, you can always drink your tears. And if you don't want to waste your fluids, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's FM Analysts on Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a comment. I'd like to thank this week's guest, Matt Jekyll. Thank you so much for coming. Do you want to plug anything while you're here? How about a mommy hole? <laughs> oh, God damn it, Mike. It's not that kind of a show. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Matt Jekyll on Twitter. Uh, that's M-A-T-T-J-E-A-K-L-E. Or, you know, at Magical, because that's what it sounds like if you say my name really fast. And that's about it. That'll be all for now. We'll see you all next week on Full Metal Analysts. Until then... Stay frosty, everyone, especially on the desert. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Adios. We're going to find out that father has something to do. Yes. With all of this. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Mike. <laughs> That's pretty far-fetched. How surprised is Mike going to be when it turns out that Father has nothing to do with any of this? A completely unrelated character. My plan is to build a mini golf course. No! Outside of a mistress. Why does he sound like JFK from Clone High? My plan! <laughs> he does.